You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Danny Wexelman with Adam Barry, who covers the Pirates for MLB.com. Adam, I've been saying this the past couple of days because I'm still trying to remind myself that it's a new year. It's 2019 now, but that's basically been reaffirmed by baseball season because you guys have five weeks until you report for spring training. Is that right? Yeah, like the other day I was talking to my wife and I was like, oh, we got a long time till spring training. I got a lot of stories to, you know, fill the the time until we get down there. And I'm like, wait a second, we're down in five weeks. We actually have to start looking toward the new season. So it does kind of represent, you know, uh, you know, a sign that you're getting ready to go. The calendar flips. Everybody starts focusing on 2019. We're out of the holiday break. People are starting to sign. So there are things happening now. Yeah, and it's never too early to talk about the rotation in the bullpen. And Mm -hmm. you, luckily for us, have been writing about that. So if you want to go to Pirates.com right now, you can listen and follow along because we're going to start with the rotation in the podcast today. And Adam, the Pirates could have the best starting four in the National League, but to compete in the National League, especially in the National League Central, and just have a chance at the wild card, Adam, you're saying that they need to be great and nothing less than from April to September if they even want to stand a chance. You've got Jamison Tyon, Chris Archer, new guy, Trevor Williams, Joe Musgrove. So why is it that they could have the best starting four in the whole National League but also have to be on their best behavior all season to potentially just earn a wild card? Yeah, I'm not quite ready to say they have the best starting four in the NL. <laughs> the Nats out there, the Mets with DeGrom and Syndergaard and whoever else they want to throw in the rotation. You know, th- This is a team that has upside, and they certainly showed it in the second half. They had one of the better uh, rotation ERAs in the National League. So to your point, they absolutely can perform like one of the best groups uh, in the NL, in the majors. But you know, you look back at last season, and as I wrote, it was kind of a season of growth for Tyone Williams and Musgrove, and with that growth comes those growing pains. And you saw it for Chris Archer, too, when he came back, uh, you know, from the disabled list with the Rays, when he came over to the Pirates, he struggled. And, you know, he was good in September, but my argument is basically that they can't really afford those growing pains. They don't have margin for error if they want to contend, because their lineup is could be deep, it could be pretty good, but it's not going to stack up with the Cubs, probably not with the Brewers, uh, really even the Reds right now with some of the things they've done, you know, as well as the Cardinals adding Paul Goldschmidt. So the rotation and the bullpen have to be the strength of this team, which means that you can't really have these, you know, arbitrary endpoints where you say Trevor Williams was good from X date to Y date. He needs to be good all season. Chris Archer can't, you know, show signs of promise. Chris Archer needs to be that sort of top of the rotation arm that they traded a lot of young talent for. Jamison Tyone is probably the guy that you have the least concern about just based on what he showed for such an extended stretch last season, you know, when he kind of changed, uh, you know, the the pitcher that he was, adding the slider, dishing the changeup. You feel pretty good about that. And Joe Musgrove, when he was healthy, looked really good, you know, like a, a solid mid to back end rotation starter. But, you know, you can't have those. He looked good from this point to that point. These guys need to be good. They need to have legitimate top-of-the-rotation arms. 
They really, you know, because they're not necessarily a, a high upside rotation as far as having a DeGrom or a Scherzer or something like that. You need to have these guys be one through five, and we'll talk about the fifth one soon, I expect. But you, they need to be one through five very strong. You can have a weak point. And, you know, that's basically what it short, sort of shapes up for is it's kind of a Rorschach test. You can look at the rotation and what they did well last season and say, okay, they'll do that again. They're really good. Or you can look at the struggles that they had and the inconsistency that they showed and say, all right, there's still room for improvement. The answer is obviously somewhere in the middle, but it's still a group to feel good about. You just want to feel even better about them by the end of next season. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you sound uh, cautiously optimistic about their yes. potential. It sounds like they have a really high ceiling of um, performance mm-hmm. when it comes to that, but, um, but it could be... Um, you know, tampered with if one guy, one piece of the puzzle maybe isn't performing up to that that very, very high level. And then, like you said, the fifth guy. Who is the fifth guy? So now uh, give me a couple of potential names that could slot in to that fifth spot. Yeah, right now, the inside track goes to Jordan Lyles, the free agent they signed out in Vegas, officially signed him after the winter meetings. Uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, kind of a swing man last season, but the Pirates are really encouraged by some of the changes that he made as far as pitch usage last season. They think he's a guy who's coming into his own despite, you know, quite a few years of experience in the big leagues. Uh, so I would say he's the favorite at this point to get that spot. But they're also going to take a, a good long look at Nick Kingham because he's going to be out of minor league options uh, this spring. So you got to find a place probably somewhere on the staff for him. And, you know, the potential's there for him to be a solid mid-to-back-end starter. So they're going to give him a look. They're going to look at Stephen Brault, who is their only left-handed option uh, at this point. So those are the three names to watch. And then the thing to consider is that by the, you know, a couple of months from now, five months from now, we might be talking about that spot belonging to Mitch Keller, their top prospect. So uh, those are, you know, the the names to look out for. They have depth, you know, Clay Holmes, some of the minor league AAA-type starters, but Uh, My guess is at this point that spot's going to go to Jordan Lyles just based on their confidence uh, from what he did in the second half last season. Is that, Adam, I mean, do you go into spring training and figure that out? Do you go into April and figure that out? When does that get sorted? I would think that's a spring training thing. And in years past, honestly, they've gone into spring knowing what the rotation's going to be, and it takes something dramatic for them to change their mind. I'm thinking back to uh, 2016 when they brought in Ryan Vogelsong. Not not a happy memory for Pirates fans, but they brought in Ryan Vogelsong, assuming he would be, you know, the fifth starter, and then Juan Nicasio just blew everyone out of the water with, you know, a crazy spring training. And they were like, well, we have to give him that spot. So he did. It takes that kind of performance, basically, to change their mind. Or, you know, Drew Hutchison a couple of years, kind of the bottom falling out on him. So it would take something dramatic you know, maybe to change their mind, but I think they will, you know, keep an open mind just given, you know, the fact that those guys are probably going to be on the big league staff anyway. You want to stretch them out as as long relievers. So can't hurt to take a long look at them as starters as well. And somebody has to pitch those games down in Florida, so it might as well be them. <laughs> that's true. That's true. People don't realize that, that uh, sometimes you, you get a little lean yeah. uh, when it comes to, to the certain games and situations. All right, let's switch gears to the the bullpen, mm-hmm. the other guys that, that keep the game going. And so you wrote about this. Again, go to Pirates.com. You can read uh, the analysis of where uh, guys are going to slot in, what needs to be worked on. So now we're going to talk about it. The back end, 
uh, Adam, you wrote about Felipe Vasquez, and he's going to be holding down the fort, but it's maybe more of the middle relief that is a little more up in the air and needs to kind of find its groove if if they want to really be a complete pitching staff, right? Yeah, I think you feel pretty good heading into the season about the back end, you know, the back four relievers you have with Felipe Vasquez, Keone Kella, Kyle Crick, and Richard Rodriguez. It would have been five, but Edgar Santana had Tommy John surgery. So those were five guys who had an ERA plus, an adjusted ERA of a better than 120. And Felipe Vasquez, the closer, their all-star, actually had the highest whip of all of those five. So you should feel good about those guys heading into the season. But despite those great numbers that I just mentioned, overall their bullpen bullpen performance was really average league-wide. And that's because their middle relief was such a you know ever-evolving mess basically that they they didn't really find any solutions there they struggled so much games that they were behind completely got away from them they weren't able to hold those you know tie games close unless they went to one of those back-end relievers so somebody from that group of Nick Birdie Michael Feliz you know Dovidas Neverauskas uh, maybe Tyler Lyons, the minor league free agent we mentioned uh, last right. week, I think. Somebody in there kind of has to step up and, and claim one of those jobs and really solidify the front end of that bullpen along with, you know, a potential long reliever, like, uh, you know, one of the three starter or two of the three starter candidates that we mentioned before. So you feel good about the back end. Basically, all those guys have to do is do what they did last year again, which is easier said than done. But the <laughs> fact that they have essentially a second closer with Kella in front of uh, Felipe makes you feel pretty good. Uh, Crick looked really good last season. Richard Rodriguez came out of nowhere and looked like a really good setup reliever. Uh, the fact that he's effective against lefties gives them some wiggle room where they don't have to jam a left-hander into the bullpen just for the sake of doing it. So yeah. it's a pretty well-balanced, well-rounded group. And you feel good about, you know, if they get into the sixth inning or seventh inning with a lead, you feel pretty good about them winning most of those games. The trick is obviously going to be getting a lead and getting into the sixth or seventh inning. Yeah, I, I, it sounds optimistic, honestly, when, when I hear you talk about these guys and, and the upside and bounce backs. Uh, it, feels, it feels optimistic when it comes to the rotation, to the bullpen, and to hopefully guys kind of stepping up and, and slotting in where they need to. Another exciting thing, Adam, our guys, guys are already uh, heading to down to Florida. They are at the fields. They're getting ready. It's a, it's a pre-spring training uh, camp, basically. But what's more exciting are the big league camp invitees. And there are two guys who people should learn their names if they have not. Brian Hayes, first round pick for the Pirates in 2015, their minor league player of the year, top position player prospect. And then Will Craig drafted in 2016. He highlighted the fall league with Cole Tucker, 20 bombs this last season, and just, you know, 102 RBI, no big deal. And they both got invites to big league camp. Yeah, I think Cabrian Hayes is going to be the guy that people know, and they could see him in the big leagues relatively soon. He is an absolutely elite defender at third base. Like minor league gold glover will immediately become a candidate for a gold glove in the majors when he makes it up. And then he kind of put the offensive part of his game together last season as well. He had 293 with a 375 on base percentage. When you can defend the way that he can, that's going to play in the big leagues. So he'll start the year in AAA, but I think you'll get some chances to see him you know, in big league spring training games, he's going to 
you know, work behind Colin Moran and Jung Ho Gung and kind of get a chance to show off a little bit. And you'll get to see that glove work because it's really impressive just by all accounts, everything you hear from organizational people, scouts and so on. And especially his teammates, his teammates love playing alongside the guy. Craig is, you know, like you said, the 20 homers and 102 RBIs is really impressive for a guy who didn't hit for a ton of power, you know, after his minor league professional debut. He, you know, he hit for some power in college, but it sort of disappeared in favor of average and on base percentage in the low minors. So to see that kind of tick up is encouraging, even if his, you know, average and all that did go down and he struck out a little bit more last season in double A, because it suggests that the power is there. He's just got to find a way kind of like Josh Bell at a lower level right now, to do both. He needs to mix that approach where he's hitting for average and getting on base with sort of that powerful swing that he showed in Altoona last year. So I don't necessarily know what Craig's future is because he's limited to first base. And obviously Josh Bell is young, not even to arbitration yet. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Craig keeps hitting his way through the minors. What do the Pirates do if Bell kind of continues to, you know, not struggle, but not necessarily play to his potential. You know, is there a position battle there brewing in two or three years? I think that'll be pretty interesting to see. I love it. that uh, That's the stuff that, that gets people going, I think. And that, that puts butts in seats too. So right. hopefully there'll be, there'll be some nice spring training games and, and you'll see Cabrian Hayes get that call up and and start to make a difference for this team. I mean, that guy, just like listening to his list of accolades and hearing what he can do and the way that his teammates talk about him makes me just excited for the baseball world in general to have a guy like him uh, playing up there. And two more additions to the team, Adam, David Eckstein and Jeff Bannister are going to be joining the Pirates. So I know you're excited about Jeff Bannister. Let's let's talk about David Eckstein really quick, former Cardinals. I'm excited about him. Uh, he's gonna he's the younger brother of the Pirates uh, hitting coach, Rick Eckstein. He's going to be a special assistant in baseball ops. What do you know about his hire? Yeah, it's a sort of a special assistant role in the front office. Those are kind of nebulous. They just sort of help out in various ways. You know, they're more or less advisors uh, to Neil Huntington and his staff. So a guy like David Eckstein with his, you know, experience and his knowledge of the game, I think you got to feel pretty good about just bringing somebody like that into the organization. I think it's really cool for him and Rick, the fact that they're in, you know, basically on the same team for the first time since probably the University of Florida uh, is really impressive, really exciting. I know that's something that meant a lot to them as it related to their father and, you know, his desire to see them back on the same team at some point. So it's a good, you know, example, a good mentor, a good sounding board for Neil Huntington, and maybe a good guy to put in front of some of your prospects and say, hey, this guy did not have the most physical tools by any means, you know, but look at the guy. He won a World Series MVP. So it's a good presence to have around, uh, you know, Eckstein, just a, a good, you know, maybe a, a, an infield coordinator type of, you know, not necessarily that specific role, but somebody who can work with the younger infielders, you know, teach them fundamentals, you know, scout infielders, look for things, you know, help out coaching staffs as he tours around the organization. We'll see what his role actually winds up being, but it's not a bad thing to have David Eckstein in your organization. Yeah, I think that one probably caught some more attention in Pittsburgh just because it's a familiar name. Um, Bannister was in the Pirates organization for 29 years before he was hired as Rangers manager. Right. He was the bench coach, you know, when they broke the losing streak and made it back to the postseason in 2013. It really meant a lot to him just based on his time in the organization. Uh, You know, he stayed close with Clint Hurdle. 
you know, Clint uh, reached out to him after he was fired by the Rangers. And, you know, he, I, I even had the quote in the story that, you know, it, Jeff's definitely not a failure. He's a good man and a good manager. But for now, he's going to be in that sort of special assistant role. Um, he, I think he mentioned on MLB Network the other day that he wants to be a manager again someday. But right now, this is a pretty good landing spot for him to, you know, be an instructor, be an advisor. He has an ex- experience in so many different roles in the minor leagues and major leagues and front office. So it's a, an, another good sounding board, another experienced, smart, uh, you know, disciplined person that you can maybe, you know, run around the big league staff sometimes, you know, run through the minors, uh, have them go out and look at players, uh, you know, talk to coaching staffs, talk to minor league managers, just a good guy to have back in the organization. And I know from his perspective, he seems really excited based on what I've heard about being back with a group, you know, that was basically his home for, you know, more more than half of his life. So, uh, you know, a really interesting move, a really nice move for the Pirates to bring him back. I think everybody seems pretty happy with that move. So we'll see what he does, kind of like with Eckstein. But again, not a bad guy to have in your organization. Yeah, I mean, this is this is our most optimistic podcast to start the year, Adam. I know oh. we've only had two, but listen, we're, we're starting off on the right foot, I think, for, for this club. So it's pretty exciting. Like we said, five weeks, next week it'll be four. I mean, that's a blink of an eye. So we're, we're ready to rock and roll. If you guys need to read up on what's going on with the Pirates, you're tuning back in because the season is, is uh, around the corner. Pirates.com, you can read all of Adam's work. Adam, love getting to chat with you, my friend, and we're going to talk next week. Good times. All right, with Adam Barry, I'm Danny Wexelman. Thank you guys so much for tuning in.